Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We're one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. If you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this service with others and give by clicking the link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message. You have come, we have found life everlasting. Now a life to know your freedom, never ending. You
got clapping going on already. That's good. We should just call it quits right now. Um, yeah. I don't even know what y'all are doing over there. Hey, it's good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, for those of you that I haven't met yet, my name is David Walters. And for all of the kids that are in here that are normally at like Camp Kidzu or in Kidzu, uh, they know me as P. Dave. You do not have permission if you're an adult to call me that. Only the kids do. Uh, so that's short for Pastor David, by the way, okay? That's what it means. So it's great to be with you guys uh, this week for a number of different reasons. Number one, can we just celebrate college football started? Yeah, all right, yeah. How many of you, like your team, one this week. If your team won, go ahead and raise your hand. How many of you, your team lost yesterday or this weekend? Okay. Hey, we'll be having a ministry time after the service is over. There are folks that wear lanyards. They'll be glad to pray with you and encourage you uh, if they need to. Yeah. So there's a lot happening. This is Labor Day weekend. Um, you guys, just to, just to be clear, y'all are my favorites. Uh, the Bible says, do not show favoritism. It says nothing about having favorites. And when people show up on typical low attendance Sunday, that means you're my favorites, okay? And so don't tell anybody that wasn't here that I said that. Uh, just know that you're my favorites. Thanks for being here. You could have chosen to be in a number of places, and you're here today, and I pray that God blesses you for being here today as we celebrate the first ever family worship experience uh, together. Um, yeah, that's exciting. And so what that means is that typically uh, those that are in elementary school, they would go and be a part of our amazing kids in ministry, but they're in this room today, and there are a number of reasons why we chose to do that. We've been thinking about it and praying about it for a while here, and uh, we decided to pull the trigger this weekend, but one of the reasons is that we would learn to worship together as the family of God, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more in just a moment. Um, how many of you got one of those masks on your way in? You got one of those masks? Yeah. Um, if if you're a kid and you want to put that on, if you're an adult and you want to put that on, you can too. Uh, there's no problem with that. Uh, might might be um, a little interesting for us. And I thought about my, wearing mine, but that would be distracting uh, potentially. Um, and some of you don't need any more distractions. And so, um, so I'm not going to wear mine. But yeah, this mask. Does anybody know who this mask belongs to? Like what? Yeah, the Incredibles. Thank you. I don't know if. A, who said that? But somebody down here said that. The Incredibles, yeah. And, and this Sunday is sandwiched right in between uh, the end of our last series, which was Tools for Life, and the beginning of our next series, which is called Hero Makers, where we're going to talk about whether we're the hero of the story or we make heroes with our life. Um, and this week, we thought we would kind of focus in on uh, the family of God and then also some of our favorite superheroes, at least if you're maybe the parents of some children or you had, um, you've ventured out and you've checked out one of the uh, animated movies that has been a blockbuster hit, which is The Incredibles. If you're familiar with that movie, um, it, the first one came out about 11 years ago. It was a hit and it kind of left everybody hanging at the end of it, wanting a sequel. And it took them 11 years to come up with a sequel. And for the past um, summer, there've been rumors that there was going to be the sequel, and, and our family, all four kids, the, every summer they're asking when the next one was coming out, and so when they officially announced that it was coming out this summer, I knew exactly wanted, what I wanted to do as my Father's Day gift, and that was to go together as a family to the movie theater um, and, and watch The Incredibles. When you have a family of six, it costs a lot of money. That's my Father's Day present, and that's better than a tie or a coffee mug any day. So, you know, so um, we went and watched it, and we were not disappointed, and if you're not familiar with the movie, The Incredibles um, basically centers around a, a group of people called supers. Uh, they're supers because they have superpowers. And specifically, there's the central characters of the movie. They're the... Um 
the Parr families and uh, the Parr family. And the dad's name is Bob or Mr. Incredible, hence the name The Incredibles. And um, he has the superpower of having super strength. Um, he's married to Helen, his wife, better known as Elastigirl. That's right. And so Elastigirl, she can stretch and she can bend and she can do crazy things. Um, and um, she's pretty awesome. And then they have three children. The oldest is Violet. Violet has the ability to uh, create force fields and then also to disappear, to be invisible, which if you're a teenage girl, that is definitely a superhero trait that you want to be able to have, uh, to be able to disappear and be invisible. Um, and then there's also uh, Dash. What do you guess his superpower is. Yeah, he's like super fast. He's super fast and that's about all he's got. So, um, but that's a pretty good one. And then there's the youngest and the youngest name is Jack-Jack. That's right. And when the first movie with Jack-Jack, um, we're kind of unknown like what Jack-Jack's powers were or if he even had powers. And until you get to the very last scene of the movie, you don't know about his powers. And then if you'll hang through the credits, there's a short movie about what happens in the backstory with Jack-Jack. And then in um, Incredibles 2, what we find is that Jack-Jack's superpowers, they're actually refined and they're able to be kind of harnessed and used um, for the mission of their family. And um, one of the things that, that I believe is that um, the church is, is incredible. And I believe the church is incredible. Um, and, and part of that is because we are the family of God. The church is incredible and we are the family of God. And when the church acts at its best, there's nothing more incredible than the church. But in order to act at our best, we have to understand that we are a family. Um, the church has a number of descriptions in the Bible. And um, the first word church that we use is actually a description. Um, in fact, it's a little bit different than what Jesus intended um, for this group of people who believe in him, who are his followers to be called. Um, when he first kind of gave a description for a group of people who believed in him, the word that he used or that's used in the original manuscripts of the Bible is ecclesia. Everybody say ecclesia. And ecclesia was a Greek word that was used to describe the called out ones. And so uh, not to give you too much history, because students, I know you got that Monday through Friday, and maybe you want to take a break from that on this long weekend. But, but that word was used 2,000 years ago to represent citizens of a country who were placed in a foreign land and who would assemble with all of the rights and all of the authority from the sending country to bring about that kind of a community wherever they're sent. And so when Jesus said, hey, I'm going to start this group of people that believe in me and that follow me, and I'm going to call them the ecclesia, what he wanted was a group of people who would stand out, who were called out from the rest of the world, but that would impart to the world the culture of a citizenship that belongs to heaven. And, and so he um, uses this word ecclesia. Um, it gets kind of translated over the years into what we call the church. There's a long history there. Um, there's some other descriptions of the church in the Bible. Um, there's a description that the church is like a body, like a human body. And, and how we've got all these different parts. You know, we've got heads, shoulders, you know, knees and toes. Heads, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes, you know. And we got, we've got all these different body parts and they work together to, to accomplish the purpose of, of a human body. 
He also says that the church is like a, a living building. And so we're like a building with living stones. And so that's kind of weird to think about. And a lot of times in our, in our world, people think that the church is a building, um, but, but it's supposed to be a living building made up of people that are alive and active. And, and, um, and then there's this other description of the church and that the church is a family. And, and, and the church is a family because we have a God who is a parent, a heavenly parent, like a heavenly father um, who is a good and, and perfect father. And so we sing songs like, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. And maybe you've heard that song sung in church. Maybe you've heard it on the radio because God is a father. I mean, God has created every person in his image and his likeness. And, and God wants all of us to be in the family of God where we're, we're kind of adopted into the family as sons and daughters through trusting in Jesus as Lord and Savior of our life. Um, the Bible says that we're co-heirs with Christ. So essentially that, that means that we're siblings of Jesus and that when God looks at us through the lens of our faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, that he's looking at us no differently than he looks at his only begotten son, Jesus. And, and then when you read the Bible, most of the New Testament is written to, to a group of people in the church, and the first words are brothers, and we could apply sisters, brothers and sisters, because we're part of the family of faith. We're part of the family of God. And just like the movie The Incredibles, when we are at our best, the church is incredible as a family of God. When we are at our best, the church is incredible as the family of God. And so today I wanna to talk about three ways that the church can be at its best. And these three things are, are common themes in The Incredibles number one and The Incredibles number two, and they're also common in the church. And the first theme is that for us to be at our best is that we have to understand that we have a shared mission. We have a shared mission. We all have the same mission when we're followers of Jesus. And we also share that mission with Jesus. Now, going back to the movie, The Incredibles, like there was clearly the mission for all of The Incredibles, but especially the family of The Incredibles, the, the Parr family. And Bob speaks to this in the very first movie. He says that his purpose is saving lives and battling evil on a daily basis. Saving lives and battling evil on a daily basis. Now, our mission that we share together, one another, and that we share with Jesus is not too far off from that. It's not too far off from that. And, and while the Incredibles mission was fictional, it means that it was made up, Jesus's mission is factual. It's documented. It's recorded. And he was asked about his mission a number of times. And this is what he says in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Uh, we're going to put the words on the screen. And if you're in the room and you can read, um, we want to read together. I want to invite you to read out loud with me together. If you can see it through your mask. All right. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. For the son of man, that's Jesus, came to seek and save the lost. Now, who are the lost? Or you can make an argument that we're all lost at some point that we're all lost at some point, Jesus said, for all of us are like sheep who have gone astray. In other words, any person who is not in a personal relationship with God, the Father, is a person who's lost. They're wandering around on their own. And, and they're kind of like sheep. Is it sometimes that fear is caused by that? Sometimes we go in the wrong direction. Sometimes we do some really um, sheepishly dumb, stupid things. 
And, and all of us are like sheep. We've gone astray. And, and God came in Jesus to seek after those who were lost, who didn't have a personal relationship with him. He was very clear about who that was. And if you read the Bibles, you'll see that he was constantly going after people who weren't religious or, or who were super religious, but they had it wrong or people that were completely wrong with their religion. He was going after all of those people. And then when Jesus died on the cross as a substitute for their sins, he saved them and he saved us. With his death and his resurrection, he made it possible for all of us to be in a relationship with God directly. And we don't have to go through um, we don't have to go through anyone else. We don't have to go through religion. We don't have to go through a pastor or a person to be in that relationship with God. We all can have a personal relationship with Jesus. And so Jesus came and he demonstrated this mission. And then he invited all who follow him into that mission where we have the same mission as the church. It's to seek. It's to go after any who are not in a relationship with God any who are struggling to find their way, any that need help like sheep who have lost their way and to point them to the one who can save them, which is Jesus. When Jesus was setting up this thing called the church, the ecclesia, he, he used an interesting description of it. In fact, we've got that description in Matthew chapter 16. We'll put the words of that on the screen and we can see what Jesus said when he used that first um, description of the church called ecclesia. And I, that's Jesus, I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock, the rock was when Peter said, Jesus, you're the son of God. You're the son of God. And on this rock, I will build my ecclesia. I will build my called out ones, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hey, how many of you have a gate at your house? You got any form of gates at your house? You got a fence? You got anything barrier? The original intent of a fence and a gate was to keep people out. Now, at your house, you know, if you've got little ones, maybe they're in the room, maybe you're wishing you had a fence, put them in right now. You know, you might have put up a fence to kind of keep your kids in, but the reality is that fences and gates, they were used to keep things out. So what Jesus said when he first introduced that his group of followers were called ecclesia, they're called the church was that we would go on mission rescuing people. Rescuing people who are separated from God, which by definition is what hell is. It's separation from God. And so our mission, just like Jesus' mission, is to go and rescue people who are separated from a relationship with God. And we can do that in two ways. We can say it and we can show it. We can say it and we can show it. And so we have the opportunity to partner with Jesus and doing what Jesus did, which was to tell all people, all people, that they were invited into the family of God. And we can say that to them. We can say that to them through encouragement. We can say that to them by inviting God to speak to us on their behalf. We can say that to them by just saying, hey, God loves you and God has a plan for your life. But we can also show them. There are a number of ways that we can show people that God loves them and wants a relationship with them. I mean, students, I don't know if you've got some, co uh, some classmates that maybe at, at lunchtime, maybe they sit by themselves. Or maybe you've got some classmates that are bullied. Uh, maybe you've got some classmates that feel lonely. These would be a perfect 
folks, for you to be able to say, hey, God loves you and you belong in the family of God, that's a message that they're hoping to hear and they need to hear it from someone. And maybe Jesus wants you to be the person that points them to that. Adults, there are maybe some, some coworkers that sit alone in the lunchroom. Maybe, they, maybe they're bullied at the workplace. Maybe they're lonely and they need to know that they belong in the family of God as well. You can show them by being hospitable and, and friendly to them. There's things that you can do collectively to let people know that they're cared for and that they belong in the family of God. Um, that's why our church does things out in the community with frequency on Serve Saturdays. And when we sponsor a mobile food pantry through iServe, where twice a month on Saturdays and, and um, once a month on Tuesdays, there's a mobile food pantry that feeds over 1,200 people where you can go and serve food to folks who otherwise wouldn't have meals to eat for about two weeks. You could join together in, um, in a global mission trip. In fact, you heard Pedro say during the announcement time that coming up next Sunday was our deadline for our 2019 mission trips. And I don't know if you uh, came to one of our GO meetings or you've paid attention to the information that you've been given, but one of those global mission trips is a mission trip for families down to, to go down to Nicaragua, which is where we partner with Amigos for Christ. Amigos for Christ has been down there for a number of years. They're intentional about showing the love of Jesus Christ in a very tangible way. And, and the very tangible way is to begin a seven-year process with all of the vi villages that they, um, that they partner with to first bring about clean water in their communities because most people die in that country because they don't have clean, sustainable drinking water. They bring that to homes. They then um, provide sanitary bathrooms. They then work on um, safe kitchens where people won't die from respiratory disease because the, the smoke gets trapped in the building. Then they work through education and business plans to provide a sustainable model, all the while sharing and showing the love of Jesus Christ. And next summer, we have a family mission trip that's available to you and to um, any that you would bring along in your family. In fact, we have a message from Amigos for Christ that we wanted to share with you in just a moment. This past summer, um, our Camp Kidzu highlighted Amigos for Christ one day and talked about the pipe that was going into the ground um, and to help sponsor, as we have, um, through our, part, our financial partnership, um, some pipe that goes into villages. And then they had the chance as children to write their names on a sleeve that could be transported um, down to Nicaragua and placed in the ground representing our partnership with Amigos. And they sent us uh, a movie um, two weeks ago, or a little video uh, saying thanks. Let's take a look. Hey, The Vine, we just want to say thank you. You are here with us in spirit right now in Petrogal. The names that you guys all wrote onto this plastic sheet is going on the pipe and into the ground right now. We just want to let you know that we appreciate you still being a part of our heart here in Nicaragua. So that opportunity is available at a deeper level uh, for families in our church. And if you've never been on a global mission trip, I would encourage you to go. I say it all the time. I wish Jesus had said, in order for enter into the kingdom of heaven, you must have faith and go on a mission trip. I wish he did, but he didn't. But I would say that. So I'm just kidding. Um, I would love for you to go on that. Our common mission, our shared mission with Jesus is to help save the world. And when we understand that as followers of Jesus Christ together, in the church, the family of God, we are incredible.
But the second thing that is shared with the movie Incredibles, the theme in that and also in the church for us to be incredible is for us to understand that we're better together than we are apart. We are better together than we are apart. For those of you that have seen the movies, uh, if you've seen one, you've seen both of them, it's the same plot, it's the same kind of storyline, same, same theme, is that the Incredibles get in trouble when one of them acts independently from the rest of them. And so often in, times, uh, so often in life, we think that we're better individually than we are together. And you see that in the church now more than ever. But God never intended us for us, uh, for us to do faith and life apart from living in community with one another. And God desires us to be together because we're better together than we are apart. Uh, Incredibles 1, Bob goes off, tries to be heroic, gets himself in trouble, gets the, gets the family in trouble. And um, Incredibles number 2, uh, mom goes off, uh, family has a hard time adjusting to mom going off. Can I get an amen from all the dads who've ever had to do that by themselves? Yeah, you know what happens. Helen gets in trouble, the family gets in trouble. We're better together than we are apart. And when um, the New Testament was written, you know, part of the trouble that the, the early church got in is that they didn't know how to do life together. They were used to doing life independently and individually and not together. And they would do things like, um, well, like one time, uh, the church would gather together to have communion together, to eat meals together. And those that could get off work early, you know, because they had a, a, maybe a, a job that had a little bit more flexibility, or a little bit more autonomy, they would get to this family gathering, they would get to this meal early, and they would end up eating all of the food before those that had to work late got there. Have you ever been at one of those family gatherings where one of the family members eats all the food before you get your chance? Not cool. Not cool at all, right? Yeah, not cool. Because we're better together than we are apart. It's important to understand that we're better together than we are apart. Um, and then some of the, the earliest church, they thought they were better independently than they were together. And so, so Paul comes along and he's like, hey, hey, each of you, you're a part of the body. And just like every body part has a, has a role to play and you need every body part, the church needs you and you need the church. You belong to one another and you belong to Christ to fulfill the purpose of Christ. We're better together than we are apart. And what I love about both of the Incredible movies is at the end of each of the movies, they kind of figure that out. You know, I mean, we could have told them that at the beginning, that if they would just stick together, they'd be better together than they are apart. But they figure it out at the end. Um, and I love the, the end, the ending scene of, of the first um, Incredibles. When they kind of put the pieces together, they defeat the bad guys, they save the world and, and do all that stuff. They finally figured out that it was okay to be together as the Incredibles. And uh, this is the scene that reminds us of how good it is to be together than it is to be apart. You, the 
That's the first time that they get the title, The Incredibles, in the movie as a, as a team, as a family, when they work together. They, they all put on their masks to say, hey, we're in this together. I, I, I love those scenes for a couple of different reasons. I love those scenes for a couple of different reasons. And one of them is because you see with Jack-Jack, they understand that together as a family, they can encourage one another in humility and not like using your giftedness to put others down, you know? And so second place at that level becomes first place for their family. And then when the underminer shows up and declares war on peace and happiness, which is what we all seek in life, this family says, hey, you know what? Together we can defeat this enemy of peace and happiness, which by the way, did y'all notice if you stayed through the, the credits at the end of Incredibles 2, there was like a little bit of a hint that maybe there's an Incredibles 3 because they still didn't capture the Underminer. I'm just saying it might be a glorious day um, when they come out with the Incredibles 3. But, but we together, we have common purpose and we're better together than we are apart. And here's how we can accomplish what Jesus set out to accomplish, which was to defeat the enemy of our lives when it comes to peace. And that is that we are all supers. So you got a little teaser, a trailer earlier with that bottom, bottom line there, but yeah, we are all supers. We all have superpowers within us. If you're a kid, hey, if you're a kid, look at me real quick. You can check out after this, but you have superpowers. If you're an adult, listen to me, you have superpowers. And one of the greatest failures, I believe, in the church not being its best as the family of God with shared mission and with um, togetherness in this mission is that we fail to neglect the superpower that we've been given. And what you see in, in the movies, The Incredibles, um, is that they all kind of wrestle with this identity that they have these superpowers and how that's to, to be lived out. In fact, the youngest is Jack-Jack. And in the first movie, you don't even know that he has one. And I think that's common for many Christ followers that you don't even know that you have superpowers. And then in the second movie for Jack-Jack, it's um, his development of those superpowers so that he's not, you know, blazing like holes and everything with the lasers that come out of his eyes, which would be a really cool superpower. It's the refinement of that and the use of that that's focused and harnessed in accomplishing the mission and the purpose of our lives, which is to share mission with Jesus, to seek and save the lost. Most of us don't even know that we have these superpowers. Most of us haven't utilized these superpowers. In the Bible, they're called spiritual gifts. They're given to a person who trusts in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The moment that they trust and the forgiveness of God is received and the right standing of Christ is given to us, the Bible says that God fills us with his Holy Spirit and it gives us these gifts, these powers, if you will. Now, they're not the ability to have like super strength or to be able to, um, to make ourselves invisible, although that would be pretty awesome or to shoot things with lasers coming out of our eyes. They're not those abilities at all, but they are the ability to encourage, 
They're the ability to be generous beyond understanding and imagine. The ability to help other people with compassion. The ability to pray for people when they can't pray for themselves. The ability to see in a person's life some encouragement that they need that comes directly from God. The ability to have information about a person's life that, that there's no way you could get that information without God so that they could be encouraged. I mean, all kinds of gifts. And every person who is in the family of God has one of these supernatural gifts, but it's not used and can't be used unless it's understood and used within the context of the family of God to accomplish the mission of Jesus, which is to seek and save the world. And so this morning, as we close our service, I just want to say again that, hey, if you belong to Jesus, you belong in the family of God. And the family of God, when it operates at its best, is incredible. There's nothing like the institution of the family of God and the entire planet. When we operate our best, we understand that we have a shared mission with Jesus, that we're better together than we are apart, and that together, with our superpowers or spiritual gifts, we can make a difference in this world. And let me kind of read to you in closing a passage of scripture that Jesus, um, or that a guy named Paul, wrote under the, the power of the Holy Spirit to remind us of all these gifts, how they're best to be understood in the world. Now, if you've been to a wedding or maybe even at your wedding, you might've heard these words. Listen to them from 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have and I deliver my body to be burned, but I have not love, I have gained nothing. All of this is best demonstrated through the context of love because that is exactly what this world needs to be saved. I have this confidence because faithfulness of God the still inside the storm the promise of the shore I trust the power of your word enough to seek your kingdom first beyond the barren place beyond the ocean when I walk through the waters, I won't be overcome. When I go through the rivers, I will not be drowned. My God will make a way, so I am not afraid. You keep the promises you made.